Welcome to the Inspiring Sustainability Podcast. Um, today, I'm very happy to be re- welcoming Dan Watson and Nadia Labs of uh, Safety Net Technologies to join me uh, to discuss uh, what I'm uh, terming their es- exponential solution to uh, fishing issues. And so, Dan and Nadia, welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks no, pleasure. And so, what, uh, if you can just give yourselves a quick introduction uh, first uh, about yourselves personally, then obviously I'm going to be really interested to find out about your business and your, your products and services. Sure. Um, so, I'm Dan. I'm the founder of SafetyNet Technologies, which I founded about eight, nine years ago. Um, my background, I guess, is engineering, design, user-centered design. Um, and this is a sort of first entrepreneurial thing, I guess, that I've been doing. So, yeah, that's me. And I'm Nadia Labs, and I'm the business strategist for Safety Net Technologies. Business strategist, that's, that's a good sounding title, <laughs> I like that. So Dan, obviously you're the one that founded this, can you tell me a bit more about what were your kind of inspirations behind finding, founding this business? Sure, so um, as I mentioned, it started about eight years ago, and there was a load of press that was going out around uh, unsustainable fishing practices. But it was really kicked off by the fact that these Scottish fishermen had been arrested um, when they were filmed or caught throwing fish back into the sea in Norwegian waters, which at the time and actually still is illegal. Mm. So this discarding practice was really brought to public consciousness by the fact that they sort of turned around and said, well, OK, you've arrested us, fine. But there isn't a tremendous amount that we can do about this because the tools don't really exist to help us catch more selectively. Mm. Um, so at the time, as an impressionable student, I thought, this is a great cause. I'm looking for a project to do for my final year of my master's, so this is something that I can start to work on. And got in touch with various people around Scotland, where I was at the time in Glasgow, who were working on um, fisheries technology and the sort of scientific stuff around how bycatch, sort of the catching mm. of the wrong fish happens, and, and then consequential discarding. Right, okay. And then, so then what, what's the... Uh, so do you have any personal kind of connection with the sea yourself or is this kind of just seems like a good idea it just seemed like a good idea i think i have no no real sort of background with the sea um in terms of fisheries uh i don't think anywhere in my family line there's any of that kind of thing so yeah but actually it was um it just seemed like a really interesting sector to look at in terms of the problem space yeah. and all of the different things involved so politics people technology environmental resources and, and everything associated so it was a very rich area for for research when looking at a master's project that's, I mean, it sounds great. And so, so then you kind of started building on the back of the master's project. You obviously realised there was something in it. Yeah, so I think it got... Uh, having produced like, these first sort of concepts around light and how like, you could maybe introduce that into the fishing process, mm-hmm. um, it really grabbed my attention and imagination in terms of what I could start working on for this. And then it also seemed to grab other people's attention as well. Like, had some really good conversations saying, oh, this is cool, okay, what could you do next with this? And it won a couple of sort of awards when I left uni, um, which gave a little bit of funding to go and do some stuff in my free time, find mm. some materials to build more prototypes. And then in the background of my studies, so I carried on studying after that, was because I had access to a workshop, I could just build more stuff and meet mm. more people and keep that conversation going. And it just got more and more like wrapped into my life. And now it's just sort of a massive part of it. And... And I'm glad because it's so it's still so interesting and it's still so topical and an area that needs work mm. and it's evolving so fast yeah. um, that it's just it's a good place to be. Yeah, great stuff. And what um, with the work that you're doing on it, what 
Uh, when did you go full-time with it? I mean, how long did that take? So I'm still not full-time with it. So oh, really? I still have a day job. Really? Uh, yeah, wow. so, but it's a sort of, it's now increasingly, uh, so I, I work three days a week in the space sector, and I work two days a week on this. So um, that's actually increasing and even faster than, you know, I'm able to keep up with now. Um, but there's now, the difference is there's now a number of different people working on it. So mm-hmm. where it was all the different things going on in my head for a long time, now there are people with the relevant skills and expertise and, you know, who can actually go and do this thing a lot, lot better than I could. And I'm free to go and sort of make relationships and that kind of stuff. So uh, that's what's changed. Great. I mean, what is, so you, you're working in the space sector. So I, I, this is, uh, this is new news to me. Uh, this sounds... I, I'm going to have to find out a little bit about this before we go <laughs> any further. Okay. Um, I run a user centered design team in um, a a government-backed organisation called the Satellite Applications Catapult. So we look at space-enabled technology, so satellites, that kind of stuff, mm. imagery, connectivity, navigation, um, and look at how you can create business models and services and applications out of those technologies that really solve real global problems mm. so that there is a market out there to then actually use them and scale them up. So um, I do that for the rest of my working time. So how is that, uh, is that helping influence? Are you being able to cross-fertilise knowledge and experience? A little bit. So I lead, a co-lead on sustainable fisheries at the Catapult. So actually the networks, uh, on the one hand, I can bring networks from safety net mm. into those conversations. And on the other hand, I get to meet people through that as well because it's, you know, it's a good opportunity to meet people and actually merge the two sectors. And the background, background in hardware doesn't hurt mm. with some of the projects that we do there in terms of how you incentivise people to deploy these things on vessels within a business case. So there is some really good crossover there, which I think benefits both sides. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a nice way to be able to sort of bring those two bits together. Yeah, I mean, speaking, speaking from a personal point of view, when you're an entrepreneur, it's, uh, it's easy to get your head sort of very uh, caught up with what your passion is. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting though, it sounds like that that's hopefully interesting enough for your day job to still keep you engaged and focus on that, even though you've got a passion of the fisheries. Yeah, and actually the, the transferable skills between the two of them are just, they're so transferable. So yeah. Bad, so okay. like, but yeah, it's very good. So one thing I'd, I'd like to come back to actually is uh, the, the sort of user-centered design, but something I'd actually just like to draw you in, Nadia. What, what's kind of inspired you to be, to kind of drew you into joining the team? Yeah, so when Dan first told me about, or when I first met Dan and he told me about safety net technologies, what was really exciting to me was that he was building off of this uh, user-friendly design and this science that had been looked into the past 30 to 40 years um, with academia all over the world, mm. but never really being able to be functional and easily easily used into a, an, into a product and device. And so the fact that he's building this technology that kind of hones that um, scientific knowledge into something that can be easily used really was quite inspiring. Um, and I think they're at a very exciting point where Dan and um, Aaron, who are both engineers by background, and actually I'm an engineer as well, I like the idea of having technology that really works. Mm. Um, and so when I came in, is um, I'm an engineer by background, but then I have a business uh, background now. So coming in saying, okay, we have this great technology that works, now what, and what can we do with it, and what can the potential of it be? So that's what really what drew me in, and I love uh, working to see how business can be uh, applied to social organizations or organizations with social missions. Mm. Um, so the, the sustainability aspect of this and the impact it can have on globally in a social way could, was really inspiring. 
Oh, yeah, so that, it sounds like good. And how long have you, you guys been working together then? Uh, only about a year now. Yeah, a little, like even less than a year, yeah. Well, that you, a lot can be achieved in a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Nadia's basically turned around, like, I'm not exaggerating, it's completely turned around how we approach the world. Yeah. So I think we're sort of, Aaron and I are both sort of, yeah, like you say, engineers, quite introverted at some of the time, like, yeah, we're doing a thing. And Nadia's like, we're doing a thing! And like, tell people about it. Like, we've got to get out there and actually make sure they know, otherwise, it's, you know, how are you going to do it? So I think that's been a massive step change in, in our approach as an organisation to actually go and approach people. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's one of the things is that the, uh, what's going to be the, the sort of the, the change that you're looking to have achieved with it, that, that's the, the, the end result, what are the sort of benefits and uh, who, who's going to benefit, etc.? Do you want to talk about some of the business side? And, and, sure. Yeah. yeah. So, what hope, as I said, what was really exciting about this, about these products that we're developing, is that it can be used at scale, mm. and so fisheries and fishermen all around the world could be using this to help them uh, catch the right fish that they need to, and to reduce their bycatch by up to ninety percent. Mm. So, the fact that that can just have such massive global impact um, in terms of sustainability and. Um, ecologically and help you know the 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 sustainable fishing industries um that's quite massive and so from a from a business side what we'd eventually like to get to is being able to help industries and the the grocery stores of the Mm -hmm. world to create you know very much sustainable supply chains in terms of their fisheries Mm -hmm. and um be able to be yeah reduce that bycatch as much as possible and what big waste yeah no absolutely but what now what benefit is it to the fishermen that they reduce their bycatch so if they can reduce their bycatch one they, they can be um going along with the regulations that are required so they can be abiding by those and not getting in trouble for it mm. as Dan first pointed out that was the inspiration with the, with the fishermen that got caught mm. um, but on the massive scale if they're not catching the wrong fish they can be catching more of the right fish mm. that they need to be catching um, so that can have really big impact on them financially as well and help the coastal communities and actually sorry, to follow up I was at a workshop last week in Edinburgh with a load of people from different parts of the supply chain yeah. and really interesting case studies that were presented around the various sort of economic but also lifestyle benefits you know like it's less sorting of fish yeah. it's easier for the, work, for the work environment it's a better work environment because there's less stuff to do the fish that comes up is better, better quality because it's not all like jammed in there depending on what you're going yeah, yeah, for yeah. It's so there's a whole range of different benefits that can work outside of even of the legislation space mm-hmm. which is increasingly getting more and more harsh on fishermen especially in Europe so mm. um, yeah there's a, big, a few benefits there no, no, definitely, and it sounds, I mean, what's the, and one of the things that he said, he can do up to 90%, mm-hmm. is there a sort of, uh, well, how far are you into finding out what you kind of good, a good average is for it, because obviously 90% is ideal, but it actually, the reality might be it's only 10%, you know, but it's, but I'm sure you've done some testing, mm-hmm. do you have? Yeah, uh, so there's loads of testing going on around the world, um, the 90% figure is from a test that was done in Oregon off the, off the west coast of the US. Mm. And this was like, this really reinvigorated the whole sector to be like, wow, this is, this is awesome. We should definitely be putting more focus into this. Um, but there have been other trials, like our trial that we did last year in the North Sea had a 60% bycatch reduction rate, which is great. That is a preliminary study. It needs to be extended. But actually, what we're seeing is that you can use this not only with fisheries, you can use it against to, to, to lower bycatch of turtles, mm. of seabirds, mm. of whales, that kind of stuff. And so... Our big interest as an organisation is to find these case studies to, to really make 
the case for what, why we're bothering to do what we're doing. Mm. And we keep finding more and more really interesting evidence of the fact that people have got some great outcomes. Like, there's some cool stuff going on um, across the scientific network. And as a team, we can bring this together and actually start to bring it into a central point where people can start to reference it. And that's, that's exciting. Mm. Every time we find a new one, it's like, cool. Yeah, and actually, bringing back to so the, the trial that we, de- we did um, last year, it was actually also validated by British government. So that was kind of yeah. a, an extra validation that this is technology mm. that does really work and uh, we're working with some big partners on it. So, yeah, looking across various species um, and being able to target the ones that we need to be targeting. So. No, that's great. That's great. I mean, because uh, where did, with this, is, is this something with the, the idea that you had, uh, Dan, is it something that was totally innovative and you just kind of like woke up one day with a light bulb moment or did, were you kind of like uh, standing on the shoulders of giants or what, what was it for you? So the idea came from the article and then it sort of turned into about three to four months worth of really quite strong research into what's been tried in terms of changing fish behaviour and selectivity. Right. So is it sound? Is it light? Is it physical stuff? Is it, you know, net design? Right. Um, so all that sort of research and then the academic giants that we're standing on are the ones who started up in the 70s who were in some cases quite literally chasing fish around tanks with lights to see what they would do and whether they were even bothered and whether the species were bothered, all this kind of stuff. So there's all these papers where people have done some cool stuff. But what's happened is what happens quite traditionally in these circumstances is that someone does some great stuff and then it goes into a paper and it gets filed away somewhere for future reference but doesn't necessarily get turned into impact at scale. Yeah. So what we're doing, I think our part in this story is to say, okay, as mentioned with the human-centered design side of things, okay, cool, this is great, so how do we apply this? How do we make this affordable? How do we make it usable? And actually, you know, within someone's working conditions and economic situation, mm. and show them there's a return on their investment on this, both financially, but also environmentally and politically. So, that's where we are. Um, but it's definitely building on the research that other people have, have yeah. done. Mm. And I think that our strength there is our relationships with those academics yeah, around the world that are Use, that are collecting this data and us being able to use that and program them into these devices. Yeah, yeah. And so w- with it then, um, that it's the commercialization which makes the difference. T- tell me a bit more about what's happening with that commercialization of it. Sure. Um, so in terms of the commercialization, so our big vision is that we will be able to commercialize this product um, in the hopefully somewhat near future. But up now, we're looking at still continuing doing the trials with our prototypes. So continuing to understand the research and development behind it, investing a little bit more in that. Um, and then once we've got something that we're completely satisfied with, being able to sell it to the, to, to the partners around the world. Yeah, I think what's the step change here is that that preliminary research that happened back in 40 years ago, um, sort of quite piecemeal, people doing interesting stuff all over the place. There wasn't a lot of connection there. And there have been various groups set up by like, the UN and stuff where people do come together once a year and talk about this stuff. What we're building, this Pisces device, the electronic stuff, will enable not only the acceleration because we'll be lowering the technical barrier to entry, which means it's easy to use. So mm. scientists can go, I want to run this experiment, program it and deploy it, and they go and do their thing, where previously they might have had to pay to get something built or cobble something together, which wasn't quite what they were looking for. Mm. This is like bringing smart technologies and that kind of stuff, like usability to the sector so they can actually program the stuff how they want it to work, go and do it, write a paper, and then either directly communicate that through the submission of that paper to whatever, or the devices feed back some data into a central thing that we can then say, cool, this Mm. is what happened. Mm. And then we can start to actually trend some of that stuff and link it up and say, 
Cool. Well, here's some really interesting insights. Now, the next most logical thing based on this would be to go and try it here. Mm. Where previously it would have taken, like, you know, you'd have to get like an MA student or something or an MSc student to sit down and do a literature review and all this stuff. Mm. We're trying to make it so much more fluid to get that data back and really respond to it and do good stuff. Um, that's what this whole Pisces thing is about. It's about linking stuff up and making it easier to access. So that's why we're excited. Because I think what we've seen is this in terms of research, and we want to do this. We want it to sort of. So for the listeners, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> We saw quite like you know, we saw some really interesting iterative changes and some cool stuff, and we want to like massively accelerate that understanding and knowledge, right? Um, like hockey stick, if you like. But so this, and this is one of the things is that I talked about at the very start exponential, and I think the you know reducing uh, bycatch by ninety percent ish is exponential. Um, but then also what you're talking about is actually the development of the process mm. actually growing exponential. Absolutely. And that, yeah, the scientific data capture behind it. Yeah. And the cool thing is that at the end of it, we can apply it. So through a very similar thing to what we're building, presumably, we can then say, hey, fishermen, in the future, here you go, here's a similar device that is an output rather than an input. So off you go. You can use it. Yeah. That's yeah. the plan. No, it sounds, sounds amazing. And so do you have like a, a business model that you're, you're looking to... Uh, uh, work on this song. Uh, I'm just looking at you both, and you, you both kind of have big smiles <laughs> coming in your faces when I say that. So I'm guessing it's something that's very present for you at the moment. Yeah, definitely. So in terms of the business model, one as we're talking about this device is it's definitely something that can be scaled and hopefully can be deployed to to the world to be able to be used. So it, the business model depends on both the the product itself, but as well as kind of the service behind it. So. Um, given our connections to the academia and the scientists around the mm. world and a constant um, inflow of additional information and hopefully this exponential acquirement of knowledge as well, yeah. we can then be able to service the products and, and our, our future clients with it um, to be able to upkeep the, the latest data and be able to refine what they need to be catching, what they need to be repelling. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, kind of the business model depends on both the product and the service then. Yeah, we're doing some really exciting work with a, a team of UCL students at the moment as well. So they're working with us over the summer to put together sort of like what would the service proposition look like? What are the different features that might be in there? How do we actually work that financially mm-hmm. and price the units and do all the sort of manufacturing stuff? They're, they're, they're an awesome bunch. They're like, they're so cool. Like, big shout out to them. They're so enthusiastic and they're just hoovering up all this information and like rationalizing it in a way that is, is so exciting for us because. It's this extra arm that they've been mm. on basically. It's it's awesome. And that we haven't had the time to focus yes, on. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Well, it sounds, I mean, a really amazing opportunity. Now, something that also I understand that's going to be happening is a crowdfunding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about the crowdfunding for safety net technologies. And um, so this is something that lots of people do crowdfunding. Um, but tell me about what about what you're planning to do with your crowdfunding. Sure. So in terms of our crowdfunding, which we're launching next Tuesday, uh, May 16th, which is very exciting and just around the corner. So we're looking to raise £50,000 initially um, in order to be able to manufacture a next batch of Pisces products that we can then continue doing trials with. Um, so be able to give it to fishermen and scientists to be able to continue that data collection. Um, so that is our hope in terms of also engaging the public and seeing if they're on board with, with our mission and uh, getting some validation from, from the public to see whether this is actually, what besides us thinking it's a good idea, whether the public thinks this is a good idea too. Um, so we're really excited about that. 
And so with the, actually, that's one of the things that I was, I was going to ask you about. Why, uh, why would public and non first kind of tier stakeholders be interested by first tier I mean like you know the, the fishing industry um, so why would Joe Public be interested number one and then number two why would say uh, big businesses like the retailers um, I'm thinking some of the especially the ones that pride themselves on ethics like Waitrose Max Spencer mm-hmm. things like that why would they be interested in yours because you're actually quite far down the supply chain for them, in a sense. Yeah. Uh, so there's two questions there. Maybe, Nadia, you take the business one, and uh, Dan, you take the, the... You start off with the people. Why would Joe Public be interested? So, I mean, fisheries, it seems like... You, you see what people like Keith only but things still have done, where they've really raised the profile of this as an issue. Okay, yeah. And you look at UN statistics, like, for instance, we'll be 9 billion people by 2050. We're going to need 70% more food. And there's already at least a fifth of the world's population reliant on fish in order mm-hmm. to eat. It touches everyone's lives. And I think you see this again through schemes like the MSC. They put labelling to show that this is an MSC mm. certified product. It's gone through a, a traceable supply chain, which has got you know good ethics behind it, good understanding of where it came from, who was getting it in, mm. all the different things. And people pay extra for that. People buy these things. Mm. Now, this project started from a very different place, which was actually me as an engineer wanted to take some direct action to see if technology could change the problem. Mm. But as it's evolved, and we've seen that it has to become a sustainable business, it's looking at these different things and why the public would care, like you say. So why are they going to back it? Well, it's, fish is a big part of our lives. Um, we've, I've been working on this for free for the last eight years, for instance. So like, that shouldn't be a reason why anyone backs it, but it's, it has come from a good place. Mm. And we're asking for this, sort of, this nudge to get us over this last bit where we can build these things. And again, give them away to people to further the science. Like, we really yeah, want to explore okay. this. So we're not going to be charging scientists for this. We've got a list of, yeah. like, 35 to 40 people who have said, we want to try this. But we simply can't make them fast enough to give them to them. Right. And we can't, we don't, you know, um, the market's so new, you look at people like the different funding agencies in the UK and stuff, and it's, it's kind of, it's a little bit risky for them to fund this stuff. Mm. So we're just trying to get there and the public seems like a really good way for us to try and engage people and actually do that. Yeah. And actually in terms of public engagement I think it also kind of boils down to the sustainability aspect which is very fitting to this podcast mm-hmm. probably. But um, so currently with with uh, current catch about 20% of the catch is bycatch mm. which means billions of fish are being thrown away each year and mm. that's just thinking of the waste there that's mm. um, that shouldn't be allowed in a way. So mm. um yeah, so our devices that can help reduce that can mm. hopefully, you know, inspire people that this is actually a really good idea and want something to get behind. And why would the non-kind of directly involved businesses be involved, interested in this? The non-direct businesses. So I'm um, like, like, uh, so obviously, uh, people who are catching fish, mm. they're interested in this. But why would say the retailers be interested? So the retailers, they are probably one of the biggest uh, ones that would be interested in this because they want their whole supply chain to become more sustainable, especially mm. not, not just from the consumer standpoint and you know being able to listen to their stakeholders and their shareholders, but in order for their ethics themselves, um, com- organizations and companies like Waitrose and Sainsbury's and Tesco's are looking more and more on how they become more uh, sustainable mm. in terms of their whole supply chain and they are the ones that can also influence um, everyone that is part of their supply chain in order to become more sustainable so at the end of the day if we if they can be using our products down the line and be be ensured that you know they're doing their part to mm. minimize the the negative impact on, on on the catch then 
that feeds up to their their product that they end up selling in store as well. No, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that's also, I mean, like these supermarkets that we've mentioned, all the ones that you just mentioned, have have done a lot actually to move towards more sustainable mm. fishing. Anyway, um, the, the traceability side, you know, sort of fighting illegal fishing, that kind of thing, and working with MSC, um, the Marine Stewardship Council, um, they've done a lot to move towards that already. And this is like that up until this point has been everything above the water and we're trying to say look there's actually a way you can get below the water and sort of avoid some of those things mm. that we're currently having to regulate mm. for which are affecting you know you down the line and like the root cause of it in, mm-hmm. in yeah. the first place yeah that's brilliant so that sounds like a very worthwhile crowdfunder for uh, everybody to get involved in so I'll definitely okay. be having a look at it on uh, Tuesday thank you um, so that's uh, great news about the crowdfunder and so I think now is uh, uh, any th- any final comments you'd have before we wrap up this uh, podcast interview. Well, I'd say just in general, I, I think we're very excited to be part of this and in the move- the movement in general. So um, being at a very exciting stage where hopefully we can see that impact on a massive more massive scale soon will be really exciting. One with the help of the crowdfunding, and who knows where that can take us afterwards. So. Um, our tagline is always let's make fishing brighter so anyone that's willing to support us so that would be greatly appreciated so. yeah, yeah absolutely yeah yeah, so I mean, I, just to summarise for me, what I love about this is, well, I love, I love the idea of make fishing brighter, and for me, uh, this, uh, you know, is, is doing what it says on the tin for the inspiring sustainability, because one of the things that uh, a lot of people, as you say, have, have kind of focused on the above-the-water ways of dealing with this, this issue of bycatch, mm-hmm. and absolutely, uh, with uh, kind of both simple yet sophisticated technology we could end up creating it so we just don't even need to worry about it and actually one of the key things is that I'm interested in personally is it doesn't we don't need to make it behavioral for the fishermen yeah it's much easier if the fishermen can just go about their daily jobs just as they were doing before and due to some really nice little technology um, it creates it just so that basically they get what they want not what they don't want yeah. and, and that's, that's, that's it's beautiful this so uh, thank you very much for joining me on this Inspiring Sustainability podcast and uh, this is Adam Woodhall uh, thanking Dan and Nadia um, and uh, I, I'll look forward to hopefully speaking to you again on uh, the next Inspiring Sustainability podcast thank you thanks thank you, thank you for having thank us you. cheers bye bye